Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers are well on their way to the playoffs, and Brian Gutekunst is one of the main reasons for it. Gutekunst was named the Packers' general manager four years ago and has done a marvelous job of building the Packers into one of the NFL's elite teams. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and I'm grateful to be joined by Rob Reichel, the outstanding, repeat, outstanding Packers reporter for Forbes.com and Connolly Media. Welcome, partner. You know, Gary, we, we might have to mix this up one day, and I might have to do the intro just so I can throw so many accolades back in, in your direction. But as always, I certainly appreciate them. I, I thought you were going to throw a few grenades. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both know as longtime married men, the, the, those grenades most of the time come from our homes. So, <laughs> Well said. But before we delve deeply into the Packers and, and Brian Gutekunst, I have to ask you, and I've been meaning to ask you this for several weeks now. Have you had a chance to watch the uh, Peyton and Eli show? You know, Gary, my Monday nights are tricky. I usually work really late and 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 haven't. I've got the usually what I do, Gary, is I have the game on in the background as I work sure. and just have it muted. I, I've heard nothing but rave reviews. I, I've heard the two are remarkably good, funny. Um, I I don't know if the ratings reflect it, Gary, but everywhere I go in the world, um, it seems, and everybody I talk to it doesn't seem like anybody listens to the main broadcast anymore. They all listen to Eli and Peyton and, um, and I'm and, one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, so to answer your question, Gary, you know, I've checked in here and there. I listen a little bit. I'll go back and I'll watch the highlights from the, you know, the previous week when they have certain guys on and, and, and they make their jokes and things like that. But it, it sounds like it's remarkable TV. It is. I mean, you know, obviously Eli and Peyton are brothers and, uh, I, I just can't imagine what went on in the Manning household when they were growing up. But uh, I mean, they are so laid back. They'll say anything that comes to their mind. I mean, it's, it's refreshing. It, it's totally different than anything we've seen uh, as far as covering a sporting event. And uh, as I tweeted out last night, uh, what, whatever ESPN is paying them, it's not nearly enough. They're, they're really good. Well, Gary, don't, don't cry for them too much. I, I think the Manning boys did okay um, in terms of pulling in paychecks during their, uh, dur- during their what, 15-plus years per, per guy as a quarterback in the National Football League. I, I don't think any of the Mannings are hurting, let's just say that, Gary, but they probably are underpaid because my guess is they've been a real boost to ESPN's ratings because I do know they, the, the Monday night broadcast itself, Gary, isn't particularly good. That feels like one of those noon games when I was growing up and I'd, you know, and I'd get Packers Browns or something like that. You'd, yeah. you'd get the number four, you'd get, you'd get CBS's number four team coming to Lambeau field or something like that. Exactly. So anyways, let me know what you think next time you watch it, you know, in, in I will, I will. I'll try to tune in next depth. week. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, delve into the Packers and uh, Gary, Gary, real quick to clean up some business from last week. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I left it hanging there in terms of who, who are the only quarterbacks to ever, uh, you know, uh, have just one win out of five NFC championship games or conference championship games or more. Uh, and I said, Rogers right now was tied for the worst all time. And I couldn't remember who the other one was. 
I guessed it was Kenny Stabler, and that was right, uh, Gary. He was one and four himself. But also, Gary, so was Donovan McNabb, uh, the, the longtime Eagles quarterback. He got, uh, I think a lot of people forget this. He got to five NFC championship games himself there with Andy Reid, and he only won one of them. And then, of course, you know, he ended up losing his, his one trip to the Super Bowl. So right now, Gary, Rodgers, Stabler, McNabb all tied for the worst winning percentage um, in, in conference championship game history when, the, when they've gone to as many as five. Rodgers, obviously Packer Nation doesn't want this, has a chance to separate himself, good or bad, um, if he can take Green Bay Gary back to another NFC title game here in the next couple of months. Yeah, very, very interesting. You know, I mean, um, three really, really good quarterbacks. I mean, I, I get a feeling that's going to change this year, Rob, as you well know. I, I, I think Rodgers is the guy on a, on a mission right now. But, uh, yeah, thanks for updating us on that uh, tidbit. And uh, let's go to uh, talking about Mr. Gutekunst. Even though he went to UW Lacrosse, <laughs> the arch rival of my alma mater, UW Whitewater. <laughs> right, right. He's turned out to be a damn good general manager. Uh, I mean, let's face it, he's been on the job four years and he's been the architect of a team that is now in position to go to it's third straight NFC championship, perhaps the Super Bowl. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, he, he's, he's taken a lot of flack over the years, but I, I think those people are misguided. I think he's one of the best GMs uh, in the league without question. Well, by the way, Gary, your, your Warhawks just two wins away again from another NCAA division three championship. So certainly in the last 15 years or so, Whitewater has gotten the better of almost everybody uh, on the football field. So I'm, I'm, I'm straying here a little bit, but Whitewater will have a home game this week to try to get to uh, another, another division three championship. So good luck to them. Now to Gutekunst, Gary, uh, you are spot on. He, he inherited an aging roster that was in salary cap trouble. Ted had not drafted well. Ted Thompson, obviously that is for a couple of years. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as saying the cupboard was bare because anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, the cupboard isn't bare, but the cupboard was not stocked. Nothing like it was uh, in that 2010-11 range in the 2014 season when they went to the conference championship. Uh, they had missed on too many draft picks, Gary. They had uh, you know, gone on at a couple positions with some aging players where, where, the, where the players were declining. And Gutekunst inherited a team that went 7-9 and 17. And the following year, obviously, Gary and 18, they went six, nine, and one. Mm-hmm. And and he has to wear that. That's, you know, much like when Ted Thompson showed up, he took over a garbage roster from Mike Sherman. And Ted's first year was four and twelve. And Ted turned it around pretty quickly. But Gary, since Gutekunst went six, nine, and one in 2018, he and Matt LaFleur together are 35 and nine. Um, two thirteen and three. <laughs> yep, two thirteen and three. Sitting at thirteen, uh, sitting at nine and three today, and in, in this twenty twenty one season, uh, the last month of the season certainly looks favorable from a schedule standpoint. Um, I mean, Gary, the last three years, the, this organization's winning about eighty percent of their football games. It's um, you know, it, it it it's pretty incredible. And, and you're right, a lot of people want to beat up on Gutekunst. I, I'm not sure that was the case, Gary, where they wanted to beat up on him. 
until he took Jordan Love and then obviously until the Aaron Rodgers shenanigans uh, of, of the 2021 offseason. And, right, and right. Rodgers certainly had a lot of people jump onto his side. And those people, when they did that, clearly went, went uh, you know, in, in an opposite direction of sure. Brian Gutekunst in, in, terms of, in terms of support. I mean, Gary, it, it was so comical to me. There, there, there was one state media member um, a, a freelancer for the Madison paper uh, who, who demanded, demanded uh, an apology from Brian Gutekunst for choosing Jordan Love and then putting Aaron Rodgers through all this. And, and, and I think people are smart enough to figure out who that is. It's Aaron Rodgers' personal PR rep, um, you know, for that, you know, in, in the media, a guy who works for the Madison paper freelances for him anyways. And, um, you know, I mean, Gary, give me a break. This guy, everything he's done, Gutekunst, that is, has been for the betterment, for the good um, of, of the organization. I mean, pe- people forget, Gary, when, when he took Jordan Love with that first pick in 2020, Rodgers had, had broken his collarbone in 17 and was not particularly good in 18 or 19. He was okay, Gary, in 19, but it certainly looked like he was a player on the decline. And, and kudos to Rodgers these last two years. You know, obviously he wins the MVP in 2020 and he's back in the race again this year. Uh, probably, you know, a little bit behind Tom Brady at this point in time in, in 2021. But kudos to Rodgers for turning his career around. But at the time, Gary, and I mean, hindsight's obviously 2020, but at the time, Gutekunst took Jordan Love. It looked like they were going to need a new quarterback. And Gary, you and I are going to go through kind of the roster he inherited, what the roster looks like today a little bit, but but you know the the listeners here, if 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 they're not you know totally privy to all this knowledge, are going to find out pretty quickly uh, here when we go through this, Gary. That Brian Gutekunst not only overhauled the roster, Gary, he made it better in almost every single position. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I give you kudos for doing this because uh, it takes some time to do some research and do some evaluations. But you apparently, as you told me moments before we started this podcast. Took the time to break down all 22 spots from today's team to the one Gutekunst inherited. And uh, I found some of your comments really, really enlightening. Obviously, the quarterbacks are the same, right? Let's, let's yeah, the quarterbacks let's, are the same. Although, Gary, and this is no credit to Gutekunst, I, I, I give today's Aaron Rodgers an advantage over the Rodgers that was playing there in 17 and 18, you know, kind of yes. when took over, yes. he's playing at a much higher level today. Now, maybe, maybe it's the coaching. I mean, we, we didn't even get into that and we will, you know, Gutekunst hit a home run when he went out there with, with, with Murphy and Russ ball and, and they hired Matt LaFleur, um, you know, kudos to Mike McCarthy. He won a Super Bowl in green Bay, but his offense and, and his shtick had kind of gotten tired and got old. And, and I think Aaron Rodgers, Gary, attuned him out late in his career. Rodgers certainly wanted him gone. You know, he, he got what he wanted. They moved on from, from Mike McCarthy, and, and they hit a home run here with, with, with Matt LaFleur. So for whatever reason, Gary, Aaron Rodgers is playing better today. So when we go through this and say, is, is the player that was on the field in 17 versus the player on the field today in 2021, which one is better? We're going to go with the 2021 Rodgers, obviously being better than the 2017 Rodgers. Agreed. Running backs. All right, let's go to the running backs. Um, Jamal Williams was the primary starter, Gary, 
in in 2017 as as just a rookie. I'm not including a fullback uh, on mm-hmm. this because they play so little with fullbacks in, in Green Bay. Obviously, the running back today is is AJ, um, you know, Aaron Jones, and then AJ Dillon. Uh, however, you want to slice that, they're both better than Jamal Williams, so they're better at yep. running back here. Yep. Okay, the wide receivers. So let's go through the wide receivers. This is the one area, Gary, where I don't think they've upgraded dramatically. Um, and you you could you could argue they're you know they're, they're roughly the same as as what they had four years ago. Today's Devontae Adams is better than mm-hmm. than the 2017 Devontae Adams. Today's Adams, Gary, is you know arguably the best wide receiver in football. The 2017 Devontae Adams, Gary, had 74 catches for 885 yards. He was dinged a little bit that year, but he also hadn't hit this this level. Um, again, Gutekunst, we're gonna you know we're gonna say Adams is better. That that isn't exactly though you know a, a credit to Gutekunst. That's a credit to Adams. Gary, the number two receiver in in 2017 was Randall Cobb. The number three was Jordy Nelson. Um, amazingly, you could argue Randall Cobb is still their number two receiver. He's certainly second. Yeah. You know, he he's second in in catches and in yards and stuff like that. It wasn't by design, but but he's turning out to be. I, I would call that a tie, Gary, or give 17 Cobb a slight advantage. Yeah, Although, I would too. I, I, I think Cobb has been in decline a little bit for four or five years, Gary. He, he's had a little bit of a rebirth though this year. He's, he's really played well for green Bay and I, I'm stunned by it, you know, and then the, the, the third wide receiver, although he, you know, he started Gary Cobb was the slot guy. The other wide receiver in 2017 was Jordy Nelson. He was done. Gary didn't have a whole lot left. You know, he averaged less than two yards uh, that year after the catch. Um, so he, they pretty much threw him the ball and he went to the ground. Um, Jordy had nothing left Gary in 17. I, I guess Green Bay's other wideout now is MVS, you know, or or Lazard, however you want to slice it. Lazard has 19 catches, MVS has 17. So flip a coin. I would call that Gary a tie between you know MVS, uh, Lazard, Jordy. None of them are very good. No, you know, not. I, I think if any of those guys were your starters, and that's still the case today with MVS and Lazard, you're looking to replace that player in the offseason. Tight end, Gary, they've got dramatically better. Lance Kendricks was the primary tight end in 17. Wow, if, that, that, if, that's crazy. I, I forgot. I, I really, really forgot about that dude. <laughs> isn't that crazy? I know. Obviously, if he's not hurt, they've got a borderline pro bowler right now with Tunyon, and I would even say DeGuara is a better tight end than Kendricks. So, okay. Gary, they've gotten better, certainly, a tight end. And then we go to the uh, interior line here. Yep. Um, you, you got your two guards, two tackles, center. Where, where yep. do the Packers come out in that? Probably, I, I, I can't remember that offense line from years ago, but I'm going to throw a, uh, a dart out there and say every spot is better. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's actually not, which is, and, and, I'll, and now if they're healthy, they are. But it, So we're, we're going to do it, though, based on if they are healthy, Gary, because these, right, right, these exactly. are preferred projected starters. You know, Bakhtiari in 17, Bakhtiari today. I called it a tie, although we're yeah. guessing what Bakhtiari is going to look like, Gary, when he comes back from this knee thing, you know, hopefully for the Packers' sake, you know, later on this month. Lane Taylor was the left guard, Gary, in 2017. The left guard today is Elton Jenkins. Obviously, they're dramatically better at, at left guard. Corey Lindsley was the center in, in 17, Gary, and he's a top five guy. Now, you know, Myers is the center to me, Gary, today. I know he hasn't played in six, seven weeks. 
um, and they hope that he's back. But he's clearly their their center of the future. Um, second round pick in this draft, Gary. I think he was heading toward all rookie team, but he's not Corey Lindsley yet. He could be Gary. I think it's going to turn out to be a hell of a draft pick. So and uh, so he, but he's certainly not there yet. So I gave the edge there to Lindsley. Okay. Uh, the right guard, the right guard, Gary, back in seventeen was was Jari Evans, who was about done. Um, just just kind of a, a big space eater, mauler, plotter, not particularly good in pass pro. Uh, we'll try to maul you in the run game. Newman, Runyon, I guess some combination of that if they're healthy. We don't know exactly, Gary, who would have been the starting right guard. They're both better, though, than Jari Evans. Um, you know, there, there, there's there's something else Gutekunst deserves credit for, Gary. He keeps drafting two, three offensive linemen a year and hoping that, you know, at least 50, 60, 70% of them hit. And they yeah, have, yeah. And, and all of a sudden they are deep as can be on that offensive line. Uh, and then Gary, the right tackle then was Brian Balaga. The right t- tackle today is Billy Turner. I gave the edge to Balaga, you know, but, but Gary, when, when you start messing around with, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Lindsley, Bulaga, um, they've had tough decisions to make over the last three, four years. They've let a few of these offensive linemen walk and they've gone to other places and made 10, 12 million a year. And, and Gutekunst is just drafted to fill those spots and spent his money in other places. You're going to see here when we get to the defense, that's where he went and spent his money and the defense is insanely better. So Gary, when you add all that up, um, I've got them better at six spots, tied at uh, worse at two, tied at three okay. on the offense. A- advantage Gutekunst, okay. Advantage Gutekunst, <laughs> yes. All right, let's uh, move over to the other side. All right, again, let, let's start on the D-line, Gary. In, in 17, it's Mike Daniels, who was almost done. Uh, Kenny Clark, young. Dean Lowry, young. Not at the level they're at today. Clark and Lowry are both better players. Gary in 2021. Uh, and and King, I, I, Kingsley Kiki, I would call the other starter, Gary. I, I'd call that a tie with Mike Daniels. So mm-hmm. on the interior of the defensive line, Gary, and they're, and they're certainly deeper today as well, but just on the starters, Gary, I went uh, better at two spots tied at one. Yeah, no, I, I, I concur. Linebackers? Now is where you're going to really see a jump. It, it's got to be clearly here, much here better today. Secondary. Yeah. Um, starters in 2017, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, you know, who were both in and out of the lineup so much with injuries and, and both kind of had hit, kind of hit a wall on where their careers were going. Inside Gary, John Ryan, Blake Martinez. Yep. Let's look at it today. You know, theoretically, if Zadarius Smith is healthy, he and Preston are the starters. Rashawn Gary has started, uh, uh, you know, since really since week two, uh, because Zadarius did start week one, Gary. But um, clearly, they're they're dramatically better at outside linebacker. One of Gutekunst's first moves after that six nine and one season, Gary, was to go out and sign Zadarius and Preston Smith, Billy Turner, Adrian Amos, all one day in free agency. He had the financial room, the, the salary cap room to go do it. I mean, Gary, he hit home. Everybody always says, if you hit on a 30 or free agents, even half, you're giddy. I mean, yeah. he, he hit yeah. on all these guys. It's, it's, it's absolutely nuts. So, better, Gary, when they're healthy, certainly, at outside linebacker. And even with two of these three guys right now, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, 
Um, you know, they're, they're better than what they were with Clay and, and Nick Perry. And, and it's an enormous difference, Gary, on the inside where, you know, you, you take Devondre Campbell and line him up against Blake Martinez. You're much better at that particular spot. Blake's tackles came five, six yards downfield, much like uh, A.J. Hawks did all those years. Um, you know, and, and Campbell has been a difference maker from, you know, from, from week one on here. And then to me, Gary, Chris Barnes is a, a huge upgrade from what John Ryan was um, in, in his years as a Packer. You know, guys like Ryan and Blake Martinez were just limited, Gary, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of spots. They've not, now they've got some difference makers. They've got some headhunters. They've, you know, they've got so much physicality uh, uh, at that inside linebacker position, Gary, that they haven't had for, for a long, long time. So top to bottom on those linebackers, Gary, I go 4-0 easily uh, in terms of, you know, that, that, that they're better at all four spots today. Without a question, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'll uh, take another stab at this. The, the secondary has got to be better across the board as well. Gary, listen to these preferred starting corners in 2017. I can, I can remember. <laughs> Demarius Randall. Yeah. And Devon House. Ouch. Yep, yep. Safeties are HaHa Clinton Dix and Morgan Burnett who was a really nice Packer, but he had hit the, he had hit kind of the end himself. He was in about his eighth or ninth year, uh, you know, by that, by that point in time. Now you flip it over Gary and a healthy team today. You line Jair Alexander up as your number one against house. Um, clearly that's a, that's a no brainer. You line Stokes up against Demarius Randall. I count Stokes as a starter, Gary. He's played the most snaps yeah. in the back. You could argue Kevin King. Um, you know, but, but I, I think right now, and you'll see this if they get healthy and they have a playoff game, I think Stokes is on the field before King is, um, I'm going to call Stokes, the starter, Gary, uh, a much better player already than Demarius Randall ever became in, in green Bay. And uh, the safeties are a no brainer. They, they, they were trying like heck by 17, 18 to get ha ha Clinton Dix out of town. Um, he had quit on them by that point in time. They're, they're, they're incredibly better with Darnell Savage, a first-round draft pick in 2020. And then, you know, I liked Morgan Burnett a lot, Gary. I, I thought he was was huge for, you know, what they did in terms of having so much success for a lot of years. He got everybody set up and organized in the back. But Adrian Amos is even a step up from that. Um, Amos is a better player than, than Morgan Burnett was at, at, at his prime and at his peak. So, Gary, again, in, in, in the defensive backfield, I, I go 4 nothing Green Bay. Um, you know, at, at safety and corner, add it all up, Gary. They're better at ten spots on defense, and now and now you see why in a year where they're sixteenth in offense, you know, middle of the pack in in so many different stats, that they are still a nine and three football team competing for the number one seed in the NFC. It's because Brian Gutekunst has completely overhauled this defense, and almost everywhere he went, Gary, there's an upgrade. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, go, go back to those four starters again from uh, four years ago. It was Randall, Hawkland Dix, and uh, Burnett. Who was the other one? Yep, Morgan Burnett, and then uh, and then House. House, yeah. Well, you know what? Three of those guys were high draft picks too. Oh yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, you know, so I mean, they they made an attempt, but they whiffed. You know. Uh, well, Gary, and that's, and that's, you know, when I led into this segment and I said, Ted had missed on his draft picks, right? 
Yeah. You know, he, you know, ha ha was okay early. He got worse. He was a first round pick. It never worked out for Demarius Randall. Um, no, they, they, no. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't settle for, you know, he was, you know, kind of a converted safety being tried at corner, then went to the Browns later on and, and played safety again. Um, kind of a guy in, in flux where, where his position was, you know, Morgan Burnett back in the day, Gary, I want to say he was a third, maybe in about 2010. And that worked out house was a fourth, I think somewhere in that, you know, 12, 13 range. And, and he certainly, you know, worked out for a fourth, but I mean, at best Gary house was a, a number two corner, a number three, you know, he, he and Randall, I, I, there's not a one in the bunch there. And then their nickel that year, Gary, in, in 17 was Kevin King. And, you know, you, you could make the case that right now, Kevin King is kind of still the nickel, him or Sullivan. You right. know, I know King doesn't necessarily go, go play the nickel position. Sullivan does, but you could argue King is their third corner when, when they are healthy and, and maybe they'll move Alexander or somebody like that. We, we'd find that out if they can get the whole group uh, back on the field, Gary. Um, you know, but, but they're certainly deeper in the back today than they were back then, Gary. And the frontline guys are head and shoulders uh, above where that group was in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're talking about the uh, secondary. Rob, that was one of the reasons I, I thought the Packers would have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year because I, I think their secondary is so good. I mean, this may be a biased remark because I obviously didn't see every secondary in the league, but. I can't imagine a team having a better group of DBs and safeties like the Packers. I mean, they, they can play seven guys out there and not be embarrassed. I mean, they're legitimate players and a lot of teams are lucky to have two or three. So I thought they noticeably upgraded that area of the team. Gary, let's, let's hit special teams too, real quick. Sure. Uh, to me, they're, they're, and this isn't Brian Gutekun's fault, but they're worse at kicker today. Um, and, and that's because Mason Crosby can't get out of his own way and he can't get out of this funk uh, that he's in. But Crosby was 30 of 37, Gary, in 2017. Um, you know, kicking the ball still really well. Obviously struggling this year. We, we've spent a lot of time on this, on this podcast talking about that. I, I won't get back into that. Uh, but, but, they were much, but they were better in 17 at kicker because Crosby – you know, was, was still having, you know, solid years, Gary, uh, worse. Uh, so worse at kicker, better at punter. Justin Vogel was the punter Gary in, uh, in, in <laughs> There's a blast out of the past, you know, and you know, what's amazing, Gary, <laughs> I went back, I looked at his numbers and, and, and they dumped him um, after they drafted JK Scott, Gary, they would have been better off just keeping I mean, Vogel had a better seat. You know, he only had one season in green Bay, but it was, it was better than Scott's and, um, and they would have been better off just keeping Vogel and, and not wasting a draft pick on JK Scott. But you know, that they, they, they went for it that year and tried to get their punter for the next 10 or 15 years. And, and, and it didn't work out. And I mean, whatever, he, he gave it a shot and he failed at, at least he recognized it. And, you know, he, he's gone to Borquez since, uh, September and, and made that trade with the Rams. And so Gary, they're certainly better at punter today. Brett good was the long snapper Gary. in in 2017, he was on the end. He was on the end of his career, Gary, but man, that guy was Mr. Reliable. If we're going to count long snapper as a position, Gary, you know, they've, they've overturned that spot a couple times this season uh, already. 
um, from Hunter Bradley to, to, to Steven Wordle now. Uh, Gary, I'd say they were slightly better in 17. Now, here's what's interesting, too. In 17, Gary, they had Trevor Davis returning kicks and punts, um, a guy they eventually traded, I want to say, to the Raiders for, you know, a couple of sandwiches and a bag of footballs. Um, but back then, Gary, in 17, Davis was 23 yards on kicks and 12 on punts. Uh, mm. that's, that's a pretty good number, 12 on punts. Amari Rogers today is just over six, Gary. You know, so about half of what Davis was. And, and Kylan Hill was the primary kick returner at about 20. So amazingly, even in 17, Gary, you know, we, we, we talk how special teams continue to, to be a problem in Green Bay. The, the only spot I would say on the roster, you know, top to bottom here, Gary, that, that that's worse is, is special teams. Um, they're better at punter, but, but they're worse at kicker. They're worse at kick return. They're worse at punt return. And they're probably a, a coin toss or slightly worse at long snapper. So overall, Gary, the roster is incredibly bad, 10 times better than, than the seven and nine group from, from 17 and the six, nine and one group from, from 18. Gouda Koons deserves a ton of credit. You know, the only spot Gary, like I said, that, that it's probably worse is, uh, is, is kind of that special teams unit. Yeah, to, to me, Rodgers has been a major disappointment. Uh, I, I thought he was faster. I thought he was quicker. And at times, he's lacking confidence. Yeah, I mean, it's very apparent. And I think once you get to the playoffs, I mean, you, you know this as, as well as anyone, Rob. Those guys can make a difference in the outcome of a game. And unless Rodgers, you know, turns it around real quickly, that, that's going to be a troublesome spot uh, for the Packers in postseason. Well, Gary, you even saw that in the last game, you know, where the winds were yeah. you know, blowing around pretty heavily, uh, pretty heavy gusts in that Rams game, you know, nine days ago now from when we're doing this podcast. And, and, and for the first time all year, um, you know, they, they took that job away from him, at, at least for a short time. And, and they sent Cobb out there. And, and what did Cobb do? He put it on the ground himself, Gary, um, you know, a old, old reliable 10 year vet and, and he put it on the ground. So um, no, it, it, it's a problem. Amari Rogers looks heavy, heavy to me, Gary, certainly in his, in his lower half. Um, like you said, there, there's, there's no real quickness, no speed. Um, he doesn't make that first man miss his feet aren't particularly good for, for dodging traffic. I'm, Man, Gary, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think this is, I mean, this has already turned out to be, you know, I, I think a really good draft for Gutekunst. You know, he got, he got Stokes and Myers to start things out. Newman mm -hmm. has started the whole year. I mean, that, that's a pretty good rookie class right there. I, I think TJ Slayton, the fifth round nose tackle, Gary is, is going to turn out to be a nice contributor for a lot of years on that defensive line. But, but Rogers there in the third round, Gary, is, is somebody they had high hopes for. and. Um, it, it just, it, it hasn't worked out and it, I, 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 am amazed. I'm going to say this Gary, but, um, you know, it, it's going to turn out in green Bay's favor when this is all said and done that they listened to Rogers, Aaron Rodgers, that is, and went back and brought Randall Cobb to town because mm -hmm. they needed Randall Cobb this year. And, yeah. and I would have never, I would have never thought that was the case in the middle of July, Gary. I thought they were fine. I thought they were set and, and, and I thought bringing Randall Cobb back to town was a major mistake, but it's, it's going to turn out, uh, 
you know, it, at least it appears like it's going to work in their favor, Gary. And a big part of that is because Amari Rogers is disappointed. Yeah. Hey, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, pertaining to good accounts, and we touched about on this already. I mean, he, he's just made a, a slew of great moves, you know, and Bajorka is a, is a classic example of him, you know, picking up people, players that nobody really wanted. But uh, if, if you're going to break down his finest three moves, what would they be in your mind? Um, we, we talked about all the free agent signings that he did that, that first year, and those are remarkable. But my three would be Zadarius Smith because they needed an impact player on the defensive side in the worst way, okay? I mean, they, they didn't have anybody that was going to wreak havoc, and uh, he came in and, and he did that. And um, he, He's gone to, what, Pro Bowl two times now? Is that correct? Yeah, I think each of the last two seasons, yeah. Gary, yeah. you're right. You're right. 20, 26 sacks those first two years combined. Yeah, and he got hurt this year. And, you know, hopefully for the Packers' sake, you know, he'll be able to play yet this year. And then my, my second choice was uh, drafting Alexander. Uh, to me, if you don't have a shutdown corner or somebody that's, you know, close to being a shutdown corner, it, it's going to kill your team in the NFL and, and – Alexander has come in and established him as I would say as one of the what top four or five DBs in the league. I mean, you could maybe even say better than that. And if he comes back, I mean, what what a boost that would be for the Packers. But I, I thought that was huge. And then my number one would be the same one you brought up before when he went out and got Lafleur. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, you and I have talked about this. I don't know how many people in the state of Wisconsin or Badger Nation were on board with that selection. That I, I mean, I talked to a lot of people in the media, out of the media, that thought it was a bad selection. And uh, lo and behold, you know, Gutekunst and Mark Murphy, of course, are having the last laugh. No, I, I'm with you. And, and you know what floored me from that too, Gary, because you and I have, you know, obviously – interviewed for our share of jobs and things like that through the years. And, you know, sometimes it's a laborious process and, you know, it, 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 it's a two, three day event or something like that. Sometimes they're shorter and quicker. You know, the interview with Matt LaFleur, Gary was like three hours, you know, they, they, yeah. they flew in, they sat, they met with them, they flew out and, you know, on, on, you know, the, the, the Packer trio there, obviously of, of, of Murphy ball and Gutekunst, and, you know, they kind of decided coming home on that plane ride that, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to offer this guy the job, never brought him to green Bay. Um, you know, never, never had him go through stage two, stage three of a, of an interview process, meet with this group of people, meet with that group. Um, it was, it, it was done quickly. And, in and now I'm sure they had, you know, done all the, all the homework and the, and the background and the research that they needed to with all their candidates. You remember Gary, they had about 10 candidates that particular off season because they fired Mike McCarthy with four weeks left in the season. And it gave them kind of a jump start to, to go out there and uh, you know, and, and search for, for other candidates, candidates and, yeah. and, 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 and have their, you know, and, and kind of have their house in order, but no, I I'm with you. You know, you, you, I guess you, you, you give Murphy and ball some credit on that too. You give Gutekun some credit there. Um, you know, it, 
you you can split hairs is is you know how you know who gets what amount of credit but yeah, let, yeah. let's let's throw at least a third or 50 percent of that on Gutekunst's plate gary and and then yes I, i'm with you when, when you look at the transactions that have been made on his watch uh, the hiring of Matt LaFleur certainly ranks, you know, at the top or near the top. Yeah. Do you, uh, you remember the uh, uh, process of finding the coach? And I really thought for sure they're going to hire Josh McDaniel, uh, you know, from New England. And uh, I, I talked to a guy I know in the NFL and he said, uh, well, they did interview McDaniel. And, and, and uh, the guy told me, though, he said that he was probably making more money as the Patriots offense coordinator than what the Packers are going to give their head coach financially, it, <laughs> it, it wasn't going to work, you know? So I, I don't know how far that went or if it ever got serious at any point, but I, I thought for sure that was a slam dunk. They were going to hire him. And then, and then getting back to Gutekunst, remember the, all the talk, all the speculation, it was going to be Gutekunst or Elliot Wolf. And, you know, there are, there are a fair, number of people out there that want Elliot Wolf, you know, because he's uh, Ron's son. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any problems with Gutekunst, but I thought at that time they're going to hire Wolf, you know, that uh, Wolf's influence was so great that uh, his, his, his son would uh, get that job. But I'll tell you what, hiring Gutekunst was, you know, a gift from the heavens for the Packers. You know, let's look at these... <laughs> Green Bay for so many years, even under Ron Wolf, who who's the best general manager I think you know that they've had in my lifetime. Gary and Ted Ted obviously did a hell of a job, you know, putting together a Super Bowl roster himself. But but Gary, you know, even all those years, Gary, you know, that they're they're drafting twenty fifth, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, thirtieth, thirty second after they win a Super Bowl, right? So those those first round draft picks are always fifty fifty. Right. Well, right. Well, look at these first round draft picks. Look at these first-round draft picks now, Gary, by, by Gutekunst. Jair Alexander in 18. Like you said, he's a top-three corner in the league. Rashawn Gary in 19. Um, took him a little time, Gary, but 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 this, but this kid's going to be in – this kid's going to play in a couple of Pro Bowls before it's all said and done. He'll be a Pro Bowl alternate this year. Uh, Darnell Savage in 2019, Gary. Yeah. Um, he's already trending toward a Pro Bowl himself at, at some point in time very soon. He's a difference maker already here in, in year three. The verdict is out on Jordan Love, obviously, the 2020 first-round quarterback. We'll, we'll know a lot more a year from now um, on, on, on Jordan Love, but, but we'll, we'll kind of reserve judgment for now on that one, Gary. And then 2021, Eric Stokes, again, bottom of the first round, and you've got a corner who leads your uh, team, leads your secondary, Gary, uh, leads your cornerback group in snaps played this year. Um, Adrian Amos is the only one back there who's played more snaps than, than, than Stokes. Um, mm. Gary, he, you know, the way he runs a four, two, nine, man, he, he's got a chance to be special when it's all said and done. And I didn't even mention the twos, Gary, um, Elton Jenkins, a two, oh. right. Yeah. One of the Gary, let's be honest. He's probably one of the 10 best offensive linemen period in football. Forget what position you want to put him at. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the game. AJ Dillon, uh, a two. Yeah, Gutekunst gets just beat to nonsense over that pick when he makes it back in 2020 because people say, oh, they didn't they didn't need a running back. Well, you know what? They did. Um, Jamal Williams left. Dylan's an upgrade. Nobody knew what the future of, of Aaron Jones was. Yes, they needed A.J. Dillon. 
He may wind up being the difference as they try to make a, a push to the Super Bowl this year, Gary. And then this year, Josh Myers, you know, the, the second round center. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, his, his first month, six weeks of the season before he gets hurt, uh, he put a lot of good film out there for, for people, Gary. He was headed toward all-rookie team. Um, he, he's got a hell of a future right now in, in this league. Um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to become Corey Lindsley, uh, the best center in football when he left Green Bay. But, but Gary, there, there was not going to be a dramatic drop-off. A drop-off, certainly, uh, because Lindsley's outstanding, but not an incredibly dramatic drop-off from Lindsley to Myers. And Myers will be better next year, and they'll be set at that spot for years to come. So, so Gary, you know, we, we talked about it earlier. He goes big in March of 2019, um, you know, takes that go big or go home approach on free agency, and he really goes four for four with the two Smiths, Billy Turner and Adrian Amos. He drafts remarkably well. He finds guys off the street to, to kind of pluck and, and, and plug into various spots. Um, you've seen that this year, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, people like that. Um, savvy moves um, that, have, that have helped take this team up a notch. Still a couple of spots on the roster, Gary, that, that you'd like to see better, like I talked about, mostly on special teams. But you can't have everything, Gary. Um, he found the right coach. He's drafted really well. And, and he's done well in free agency. So, I mean, I, all, all these people, Gary, back in the summer, screaming for Brian Gutekunst to go, uh, saying, pick Rodgers, dump Gutekunst. Gary, these people are crazy. Um, it, you know, if, I, guess, I guess in a perfect world of those people, maybe they both stick around. Maybe that's an impossibility. We'll find that out this offseason, uh, Gary. But the Packers are in damn good hands moving forward with Gutekunst. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, one last thing on Gutekunst. Would you vote him as executive of the year? I would, but there's some good candidates out there. I mean, you, you look, look at Arizona, you look at New England, they made some great moves during the offseason. Uh, but where, where would you personally put Gutekunst in the mix? Yeah, I mean, he's certainly in that discussion, Gary. And, and you know, when you're in the discussion, you, you're doing things right, and you've had a hell of a year. I mean, can, can Belichick get coach of the year and executive of the year? Probably. No. <laughs> He's you, Bill you Belichick, could, right? <laughs> you, you you could certainly make the case that coming off a of seven and nine, he deserves them both. I mean, he completely revamped that roster, and they're the one seed right now in the AFC, and they may never throw the ball again, Gary. They might just uh, they might just run it for the rest of time and <laughs> and beat people to heck with a great defense and a and a remarkable running game that, that was what that, you know, I, I deviate here a little bit, Gary, but that Monday night game uh, where they beat Buffalo last night, 14 10 was one of the more remarkable games I, I've ever seen in my life. We're, we're in a passing league where people throw the ball two thirds of the time and he runs the ball 95% of the time. It's just, just a, just a fascinating, just a fascinating game. I, I guess Gary, I, I would vote Belichick coach of the year and I would vote Gutekunst executive of the year although Belichick might get votes and, and might win both when it, when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm trying to think here who else, you know, might be in the mix. You certainly mentioned the, you know, the group in Arizona, they, they've taken a big jump this mm -hmm. year. You know, Dallas has improved dramatically, but I think that's largely based Gary on, on Prescott being healthy this year. Tampa brought that whole team back, Gary. That wasn't easy to do. 
you know, because they were up against the cap and that took a lot of, you know, finagling and, and getting Tom Brady to play for about 30% of what he's really worth. Um, which Tom Brady always does because he's, he's the all-time team player, unlike the quarterback in green Bay. Um, but um, no, I mean, Gary, just, you know, specifically to Gutekunst, I guess, a, you know, my vote would be Belichick coach of the year, Gutekunst executive of the year. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur gets screwed for the third straight year. <laughs> I don't know if he gets screwed. I, I, Gary, I should look it up though. I'm guessing because, you know, again, it's like we talked about last week with Tom Brady and MVPs and Jordan and MVPs. I bet you Belichick has a one coach of the year more than a couple times. Yeah. And you, yeah, and yeah. you could give that thing to him every year. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, by the way, uh, you, you were talking about uh, Peyton and Eli Manning last night during the game. And that, that game was, I mean, one for the ages, just incredibly different. Somebody wants to get in on the show here at my house. <laughs> Anyways, during, during the course of the game, I, I don't know if you saw this, Rob. Late in the game, uh, New England made a great defensive stand, and Belichick went crazy, and he started jumping up and down, and he smiled. And uh, <laughs> one of the Mannings goes, it's a historic night for the first time ever, basically, Bill we've seen Bill Belichick smile. <laughs> it was, That's it, fantastic. It, it was kind of funny, but yeah, well, that, that was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. I mean, especially in the modern day of football. Uh, Gary, past. just think about it though, too. Right. I mean, what young coach, for example, a guy in his first or second year could ever get away right with running the ball 45. Out, is that what it was? 45 out of 48. Yeah, plays, close, yeah. I want to say, it was, it was something to that, maybe 46 out of 49. I mean, you have to have so much house cred and street cred uh, built up to, to make that your game plan. I know it was really windy and, and things to that effect. And I know he, it certainly appears, Gary, he, you know, he, he's got a, 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 an all-time defense, again, you know, that, he, that he's built up here in New England. Not, on, not only that, you know, he found the players, but now he's, he's had three months now to coach him up to, to play at this level. You know, but my point is if, if you're a rookie coach and, and you, and you pull that Gary and you lose the game, uh, you're going to get just crucified. You're going to get crushed. And Bel Belichick's got, you know, so much history of success and he, he's almost immune to criticism, I guess is where I'm going with that Gary. So he's got the kahunas to try that in a game like that. And, and even when Buffalo starts putting eight, nine in the box, they're, they're, they're still running the ball extremely well. Um, I know he went to six linemen, uh, a, a huge chunk of that game. It was, Gary, it was fascinating to watch. I mean, I, I felt like I was watching a, a high school game, right, where, where it, it, it's just real simple. Are my guys stronger than yours? And, if, and, and, and are they bigger than yours? And, and if they are, we're just going to hammer the ball at you all night. And we're going to win the game that way. It, you don't see that in college. You don't see that in the NFL anymore. It was it, uh, Gary, it, it was a, just, just a remarkable football game to watch. Yeah. You know what, too, uh, Rob, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I talked to a guy in the NFL and he told me, and, and this was confirmed last night again, I'm, I'm, uh, by, uh, on that Peyton Manning, Eli Manning show. Um, this guy told me anyways, that Josh McDaniels basically runs the Patriots offense. And that Belichick concerns himself solely with the defense. And he pretty much rubber stamps everything that McDaniels brings to him. And 
during, during the course of the game last night and, and in the stories I read today, they were all praising Belichick for this uh, great idea of running the ball forever and ever. And I, I just wonder if it was really Josh McDaniels that uh, came up with this game plan. So anyway, you know, some, something to think about. Yeah, I'll, I'll make this quick. I, I know Belichick and, and, and his kid who's an assistant on that team are notorious. They get off the bus and they, and they go to the field. Um, they don't go to the locker room when they first arrive at a stadium. They go to the field and they check out what the field conditions are like, what the weather is like, what the wind is like, you know, and, and then I know they always gather with, with McDaniels and that offensive staff and figure from there um, exactly, you know, what the final, final game plan is going to be. My guess is that you're right, Gary. This was, you know, this was probably largely a McDaniels doing, but it, but it was, you know, I think, you know, Belichick obviously rubber stamped it and had his fingerprints all over it. You know, kudos to them, man. I, Gary, I don't know if you remember back in September when we did, when we did mm-hmm. uh, kind of our season kickoff podcast and you thought I was nuts and I thought you were nuts picking the Raiders to be in the uh, AFC <laughs> title game. But I, I told you the AFC title game was going to be Chiefs Patriots and and you and you laughed at me and said they can't get there with a with a rookie quarterback. I think they had just cut Cam. Um, well, I, I got to check the records. <laughs> you, you go back and look at that. I, I I don't predict many things right, Gary. That that that's a great call. I, I you know I, I I'll be honest. With you, I'm shocked they're doing this well, and I'll be shocked if they do get to the AFC Championship. But uh, you know I I don't know if I told you the story uh, when the uh, Prior to the draft combine, uh, the University of Alabama had workouts for pro prospects. And I happened to be with my wife in Tuscaloosa. And I ran into a guy who came up to me and we were talking about different guys that that were in attendance at at the workouts. And he goes, Bill Belichick's even here. And I go, okay, yeah, whatever. And he goes, he likes our quarterback. <laughs> and Lumble, you know, wh- where did they get him? Wasn't it like in the middle of the first round or something? Yeah, although last yeah. night, Gary, you could have played quarterback. So uh yeah, I think they got him at I think they got him at fit pick 15 is, is what it was. But he was the fifth rookie quarterback to you know, fifth quarterback taken. Yes. Gary, you know, yes. In that draft, right? The um it was help me out again now. It was the Jets took Wilson, the 49ers uh took Lance, the Bears took Fields. Who was the first pick in the draft? Oh, Lawrence to, to Jacksonville. Yep. So, yep. so those, those four guys all went before Jones went to New England. Uh, you know, but Gary, what had me sold is what he did in the offseason. And and I know he had a ton of money to spend, Belichick that is. Yeah. And he went out and completely reshaped that roster, reshaped that defense and said, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to hold people to 15, 16, 17 points a game again. We're going to beat the hell out of you with our offensive line. He's put together a top five offensive line again. He loaded up on those running backs. Um, and he's got a guy who's just managing the team right now. Nobody's nobody's Tom Brady. Nobody's ever going to be Tom Brady. But Jones, Gary, is doing some of those Brady things from early in Brady's career, right, where he managed the game. And, and they won the Super Bowls based on a remarkable defense, a really good running game. Um really good special teams. Although I know they had the one blunder last night where they gave Buffalo a short field and, and Gary, let's be honest, the greatest head coach in the history of football. I know that a rough Lombardi people, but Belichick has done this now, Gary, for 20 plus years in new England in a salary cap world in a free agency world. 
It, it's nothing like the hurdles Lombardi. I mean, he, he's got so many more hurdles than Lombardi ever had, right? You drafted yeah. a guy, you had, you had him forever. That doesn't happen in, you know, in, in today's NFL. It hasn't happened that way, Gary, in 30 years. What, what Bill Belichick has done the last 20 plus years in New England, uh, he, he's the best coach ever. And, and the best quarterback ever is, is playing in Tampa. And boy, wouldn't that be nuts if those two met for a ring? Yes, it would be. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you, Belichick. What he's done is absolutely amazing. It, and you know, he he, prior to going to New England, you know, he didn't exactly tear up the league as a coach. No, you know? and, and and I'm always reminded by that when teams hire coaches that didn't do well at other places. You know, not saying everybody can be Bill Belichick, but you know what, you you got to look at a lot of variables. You know, did he did he have the talent, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, the, the guy's unbelievable. No question about it. So, hey, uh, before we – All right, uh, Packers Bears, you want to hit that quick? We sure do. We got about, I guess, in 10, 15 minutes here. This, this, this is crazy. We all know that the Packers-Bear rivalry is the longest in NFL history, and uh, they have combined – this is mind-boggling – 22 championships between them. The, the Packers have 13, and the Bears have nine, and – uh, the Packers have dominated the last two decades, thanks to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And I would imagine on Sunday, they'll dominate uh, the Bears again. I, I think the Bears are god-awful. Um, and I think the people in Vegas agree with me. They got the Bears that, get this wrong, 12 and a half point favorites. <laughs> 12 and they a have, half. You mean they have the Packers as a 12 and a half point yes, favorite. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's ridiculous. So, uh and who knows, maybe Justin Fields uh, may return after missing the last two weeks because of his uh, ribs uh, injury. But I, I don't think it's going to matter. I, I think I think the Packers are just going to steamroll them. Yeah, Green Bay, Gary, coming off the bye, obviously should be as healthy, if not healthier, than any time since, you know, the first few weeks of the season. We'll, we'll see who gradually and eventually make, you know, makes their way back again, the big three that everybody are, are keeping their eyes on closely uh, are Bakhtiari at left tackle, Jair Alexander at corner and Zadarius at outside linebacker. I don't know if you'll see any of those guys necessarily this week, Gary, my, my hunch is, you know, if some of these guys get close, they're going to wait and play it, play it safe, play it cautious, play it conservative with them maybe let them kick off the rust in let's say week 17, 18, and then, and then go to the playoffs from there. But, but Gary, you know, to me, the way these next five weeks shape up, they don't necessarily need all those pro bowlers to go and win these games. They need them and mm -hmm. they need them in January. Absolutely. They don't need them now in, in December, right? We're, we're, yep. we're, we're talking, a, we're talking a home game with the bears that's left a home game with the Vikings, a trip to Detroit, a home game with Cleveland and a trip to Baltimore uh, and Baltimore really isn't playing very good football right now, Gary. I, I could see green Bay running the table probably at worst Gary with, you know, even without those three guys I mentioned coming off injury, you know, four and one, which puts you at 13 and four, you know, the tricky part though, now Gary then becomes, you know, Arizona still only has two losses. Tampa has three. Tampa's schedule is pretty darn easy too, Gary. You know, is Arizona going to lose twice? I, I'm not sure. They, they, got, they the, got a tough schedule. They, they, they do no, have a tough schedule. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Yep. They, yep. They, they, there's no given they're going to hold on to that. Yeah, and Green Bay has that head-to-head. -head, but, 
I'll, I'll be honest though, Gary, I also didn't see those guys at 10 and two. Did you, um, I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good football team. I thought it was a playoff football team, but I thought it was a wild card team, Gary, you know, they're, they're going to have to go four and one down the stretch to hold everybody off yeah. um, themselves. And, and you're right. That might be, that might be a tall task, a tough, uh, uh, you know, a tough ask. And uh, I still, Gary, think, you know, Tampa's going to get, Tampa's going to find a way, Gary. I, I really think this to get to 14 and three. I don't think they're losing again. So if Green Bay wants to be the one seed and bring Tom Brady to Lambeau Field, you know, the last week of January again, which would be absolutely unbelievable, um, they're, they're going to have to win out themselves. And, I, and I'm sure they recognize that internally. And, and you know, Matt LaFleur is this big one-week-at-a-time guy and, you know, game-to-game and get better, you know, be, between today and tomorrow, all the coach BS cliche nonsense. Yeah, right. And I mean, no, no, well, we no. do the same thing for the podcast, Rob, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's one I, podcast I, at a time. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I hope, I hope not Gary. I, I hope what makes our podcast different is that you and I both, you know, wing it a little bit from the seat of our pants and have some opinions that aren't so, aren't so vanilla and, you know, and, yeah. and, and Nova toast. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be a great final five weeks, Gary, that like, like, you know, specifically back to the bears, it, it, it shouldn't be, um, you know, it, it shouldn't be all that close Sunday night at Lambeau field, but you just never know in this rivalry. And, 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 and I'm with you that green Bay has dominated it now for 30 years, Favre owned these guys going 22 and 10. I think Rogers only has five losses and in, in all his, you know, in all his matchups with these guys, Gary, um, they, they have absolutely dominated the series and, and, and it, it, it probably should be a route, but I, I have a feeling Gary, the bears are going to crank it up Sunday night and they're going to hang around. I, that, that 12 and a half, 13 points, man, I'd be leery to give that in a, in a rivalry game. I, I could see this being 30 to 20, something like that, where these, you know, where Chicago hangs around and, and makes it interesting. Even Trubisky, Gary, a couple of those times in, in his run there with the, with the bears and they came to Lambeau as a double digit underdog. He kept those games close, maybe within one score late and stuff like that. It's Gary, you know, it's, it, it's still to me, the greatest rivalry probably in the national football league and maybe, you know, Raven Steelers have become really close, Gary. That, that, that's a fantastic one right now in the league too. Um, and certainly there's some in that NFC East with, you know, Dallas and Washington and the Giants. But I would still say this is the best rivalry in football, Gary. And I think the Bears, I, again, the Green Bay is going to win the game on Sunday, Gary. But I, I do think the Bears are going to keep it interesting. Yeah, I got one little uh, side note here to this game. Obviously, uh, Matt, Matt Nagy's been under a lot of pressure in Chicago and uh, a friend of mine who lives in Chicago, big high school sports fan, said that Nagy's son apparently goes to a school in Lake Forest, right? And when his team okay. plays another conference teams, the opposing student section chants fire Nagy. Can you believe that? <laughs> you know that put I, I, the, can, I, I can, Gary, because I remember you remember the Don Morton years in Madison. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> which which were dreadful. He was he was six and twenty seven in his three years as a Badger coach, and and I want to say his kid went to Madison Memorial, and and everywhere Memorial went and and traveled and played, I, I think they they faced the exact same chant, Gary. It was Fire Morton. So I mean, what, um, what's wrong with people? I mean, don't they have any common sense? I mean, the the, the kids trying to make it through life 
it's a real tough time in their their lives and you know these idiots just you know do these things and 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 shame on all the school administrators that that allow them to do it you know right 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 no i i i i'm with you 100 percent there gary did you want to go through our favorite moments in this series or you know yeah yeah let's go let's just do our, our top two and okay if, if you have personal ones, ones that you, you know, really made an impression on you. I mean, there, there have been so many great moments overall, but to, just two of them that maybe stood out, stood out to you personally. Well, the first NFL game, Gary, I ever attended was in 84. And, and Chicago came to Green Bay and Kevin Butler hit a field goal. It was either with no time left, Gary, or just in the final, final seconds. And the Bears beat the Packers that day nine to seven. Um, and, 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 and so that real that game, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Three field goals for Butler. I don't remember how Green Bay got its touchdown, but uh, the, the, that, that was my first NFL game. And that, that, that's, that stands that's out to cool. me. Yeah. That stands out to me still, Gary. Um, you know, I covered the 2010. I've covered obviously a ton of these games. Yeah. To me, Gary, the one that the, the one that stands out, though, I mean, there, there was nothing quite like the feeling and the vibe and the atmosphere of the 2010 NFC Championship game down in Chicago. Um, you know, a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. That was, you know, that that's still one of the five or ten best games I've ever covered. And the game itself wasn't pretty. Of course, Green Bay wins 21-14, and Rodgers is, you know, no touchdowns, two picks, and not particularly good, 55-and-a-half passer rating that, that particular day. But, uh, you know, just Gary going into that locker room afterwards. And, you know, I, I spent about 10 minutes after that game with Ted Thompson talking to him about putting together the team and the roster. And you remember, you know, two, three years in a lot of, you know, after he traded Brett Favre, a lot of people wanted Ted Thompson gone. And, yeah. and here he was kind of, kind of basking in the glow in the moment, you know, watching his team celebrate, knowing you know, they, they were going to go to Dallas in two weeks and, and play Pittsburgh for a trip to the Super Bowl. That was a pretty neat day and a, and a, and a pretty neat uh, experience to cover that one. Uh, you know, Gary, I, I was a Packer fan until I started covering the team in, in 01. My, now, my favorite game by far, just as a fan, and, and this will be my last one because I know you only asked for two. But wow. My favorite game by far, Gary, as, as a fan was, was in 95. I don't know. It's probably about week six or eight. I forget the exact point of the season. It was around the midway point. And there was a lot of buzz for Eric Kramer, the Bears quarterback. Uh-huh. He's off to a hot, hot start, Gary, to, to be the MVP. And and the Bears were, you know, the, the, the Bears were pretty good that year, Gary. And I, I think, you know, Green Bay and Chicago might have been tied for the top of the division. Well, you remember that the, the, that particular week, uh, Favre was coming off of a, a week where he – he sprained his ankle, Gary, so bad that he didn't practice the entire week leading into the game. Leroy Butler told me later that Favre's ankle was about the size of Leroy's, you know, calves. Um, oh, they, you know, that, that, that's how big Favre's ankle was. But, but Gary, you know Favre, that guy wasn't going to miss a game, and he certainly wasn't going to miss a Bears game. And what did he do? He went out and he threw five touchdowns, no picks, completed 25 of 33 passes, Gary, for 336 and the Packers won 35 28 it that 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 to me is still you know if, if I had to rank the top 10 Favre games that that's certainly somewhere in the in the top 10 Favre games because I mean again he didn't take a snap all week at practice his ankle is the size of my head and uh 
you know, he goes out and he sticks it to the bear. So that that's one of my favorite games, Gary ever as, as just as, as a Packer fan. Yeah. Good stuff. I, I can see why you like those. I, I have two as well. And obviously many memories. I mean, Rob, I, I hate to uh, point out my age, but I used to really enjoy watching Gail Sayers. <laughs> arguably my all-time well, favorite football Gary, Gary, everybody your age did. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he, he, he was phenomenal. I mean, to, to, to this day, I still think he's the most electrifying football player I've ever seen. But anyways, my two mo- uh, favorite moments for the Packer Bear game. One came in uh, November of 1989. Were you even born then? No. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, Gary, I, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was, I was born and oh, you're, I know where you're going. Keep going. No, yeah, you, you probably know where I'm going with this. You know, the Bears play at Green Bay. The Bears led 13 to 7, 41 seconds left to play. The Packers had the ball on their own 14-yard line. It was fourth down. And I was covering the game for the Journal Times. And uh, like many of my media colleagues, left the press box and went down and stood on the sideline early in the fourth quarter. Well, Rob, I, I stood at the 14-yard line. <laughs> And it was crazy. That was when, remember Magic Man, Don Mikowski? Oh, God, yes. He, he got pressured in the pocket, then he rolled right, and he kept uh, running towards the sideline. And then he threw a pass to, uh, I believe it was Sterling Sharp in the end zone for the touchdown. And, and the place went nuts, right? Well, then the officials ruled that Mikowski had stepped over the line, and then they decided, wait, we better review it, okay? Well, after the review, of course, they counted the touchdown, and the place went bonkers again. I can say, for the record, he did not cross the line because I was right on the line. <laughs> and uh, That's awesome. it, it was just being in the right place at the right time. I mean, it was like a special moment to uh, see that That's whole fantastic. play unfold. Yeah. That was very so, cool. And then uh, my other one, wasn't really a Packer Bears game and I may have even told you the story at some point uh, over the last two years but uh, it happened in the Packers locker room at Green Bay the week before and I started talking to a guy named Charles Martin okay <laughs> and and nobody was around Charles Martin and uh, we had a nice little conversation probably went about 15 minutes or so and we started talking about the upcoming bears game. Right. And out of nowhere, he goes, I'm going to get him." And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to get McMahon. <laughs> and I thought, okay, you and like about the rest of the NFL, you know, cause <laughs> McMahon was a hated player. I mean, a lot of guys did not like him for his arrogance, his cockiness, et cetera. And uh, you know, I, I just, kind of forgot about it till you know when the game started and lo and behold McMahon rolls out to his right throws the pass and you thought okay end the play several seconds go by right Martin who is called too nasty that was his nickname too nasty <laughs> picks up McMahon holds him for a couple seconds and then body slams him to the ground and uh, McMahon got hurt. Uh, Martin got a two-game suspension, and that doesn't sound much, but that was a record at that time because football was so physical, right? But wow, they, right. They, they thought this crossed all boundaries, 
and, and they uh, gave him a, a two game suspension. But, you know, when that happened, I, I kept thinking back, he told me he was going to get, you know, <laughs> Jim McMahon and he certainly got Jim McMahon. So those are the two that stand those out are, in my mind. Those are awesome. Uh, Gary, I, I think back to that too. And I, I, I've talked to Charles Martin, you know, at, at times through the years and people involved in that game. And don't you think that's a year today? He does that today. That's a year. Oh yeah. He's, he might be out of football, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to miles Garrett, right? Uh, you know, when, when, who was the Steelers backup quarterback, who's, you know, he yanked around the field by his helmet a year or two ago. Right. I mean, and, and that cost Garrett the rest of the season. If it, it would be, you know, it, it would be even more than that. Yeah. And, and you got to remember, Rob, the coach of the Packers at the time was Forrest Greg, right? Right. And, and those Packer games, they were just incredibly physical. I mean, people think today's game's physical, not even close to what they did then. And, uh, do you remember the official Jerry Markbright by any chance? Oh, yeah. Okay. He, he was working that game, right? And he said that he went over to the sidelines to tell Forrest Gregg that Charles Martin had been injected, right? Forrest Gregg's response was, what did he do? <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> what did he do <laughs> i mean he, he threw him down in clear sight of everybody you know i mean it was, it was like there for everybody to see and what did he do so that's anyway, so, those are awesome good stuff gary anyways my friend uh, anything else you want to uh, touch on before we uh, call it call it a day no you know just in case people weren't paying attention all that much but i'm, I'm sure they were over, over the weekend you know not a lot of movement you know, in, in, in the playoff uh, standings, uh, Arizona wins, Tampa wins, you know, Green Bay stays in that number two hole. Gary, if the playoffs started today, and obviously they don't, we have five weeks left, but it's always fun to say if they started today and what would happen. We're looking at Packers 49ers. We've had a few fun ones with them, with those two teams through the years in the postseason, haven't we? Um, you know, but the, but the NFC right now shapes up Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa, Dallas, the Rams, as the first wild card, number five, Gary, then Washington and San Francisco. So there's, there's going to be some movement and there's going to be some, you know, changes here over the, over the next five weeks as this all gets itself sorted out. But um, I love this time of year, Gary, where, you know, you're, you're the, the, the scoreboard watching every single game, every result moves a team this direction or that direction. Gary, I, I do think it's really important for green Bay to find a way to, to bring Dallas and Arizona and Tampa Bay to Lambeau field. So the, these next five weeks are, are unbelievably critical Gary for the Packers. Um, you know, if, if they, if they're going to make a run to the Super Bowl. You know, Rob, the Packers are uh, nine and three. Well, you're 12 and 0 for podcasts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you heard the, I, undefeated... I don't know about that Gary, but I appreciate it. No, you're the undefeated uh, champion here. And uh, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, being a part of this today. And, uh, I want to also thank our uh, our listeners who have been great all season. And uh, everybody, take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.